everybody, welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I'm wondering if they have had as stressful of a sports week as I have. Oh, yeah, most definitely. John Moran, the whole job situation, that's been super stressful. You breaking the news to me that the Titans might trade Derrick Henry. Which might actually lead me to joining the dark side. You know, you are the copy earlier this year. But yeah, it's been super stressful. Well, no, we don't need you to do that. Like, go be an Eagles fan or something. You don't gotta go back to Seattle. You ain't gotta go to the Steelers. I mean, ew. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm going through stress for a very different reason. Um, of course, my Lakers are holding on by a thread to getting um, right outside the playing spot. And then also the whole Lamar Jackson thing. Like, I don't like being the center of attention sports-wise anyway. And so it has, like, you know what I mean, like Baltimore, LSU, etc. And so watching the combine, all I heard was, oh, is Lamar going to do this? Oh, is Lamar going to do that? Where's Lamar going to go? What franchise tag is he going to get? It's been so stressful to the point where I'm just like, if I hear Lamar Jackson's name one more freaking time, I think my head's going to explode. And I sound very cynical, but I guess I am. Personally, if I was EDC, a.k.a. Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM, I would put the non-exclusive tag on him. If somebody wants to pay him over 200 mil fully guaranteed and give us two first-round picks, then God bless, they can have him because Baltimore is not going to do it. And I feel like if in almost two years that y'all have been negotiating a deal, y'all can't get nothing done. It's just not meant to be. Yeah. It's tough, and I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm kind of leaning towards the boat that you're on. I'm like, hey, maybe it's time to move on from Lamar. As great as he's been for the organization, like maybe trying to find like a more traditional style quarterback in that way you might be able to get the most out of the weapons that you have because of the way that the offense is set up might be the best move. Yeah, I mean, I feel you. I mean, in terms of, honestly, I I told you this a while ago, but, like, perfect world, I would like Trey Lance to be our quarterback. Like, I feel like he's still on a rookie deal. We test him out for one year. If it don't work, we should still, depending on where we trade him to, we should still have a high enough draft pick to go ahead and move on for the future. But... At this point, I'm just I'm just over the drama. This isn't to say I don't like Lamar and I don't want Lamar in Baltimore, but it's like you, especially over these past two years, he's missed several games due to injury. Even when we have them in the playoffs, he's only has one playoff win. If we're just basing off the regular season, he has, what, a 45-16 and 16 regular season record. That's amazing. But you can only do so much in the regular season. At some point, we got to see the proof in the pudding in the playoffs. We haven't seen that in Lamar. It's kind of similar to Aaron Rodgers. In the regular season, he's awesome and he's great. But in the postseason, what have we got? So I'm just over it. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to get tagged, but we shall see. But to kind of relieve some stress, we're going to do something fun. And we are doing our annual NFL free agency draft. While this is draft season and there's so many young, great college prospects going to be coming into the league in a little over a month, Let's we're gonna do some a bit fun as well with our current NFL players who are gonna be looking for some new teams. So that's gonna be coming up shortly. In addition to that, like you mentioned at the top, I mean we gotta talk about John Morant and what's going on with the Memphis Grizzlies. But on a lighter note, 
we're going to also humble some NBA players. Um, in a recent interview, Paul George discussed how he had to recognize that he couldn't be the guy, quote-unquote, on the championship team. So we're going to talk about some other NBA players who need to realize that fact. But before we get to any of that, please sure check out the Xreport.net. I repeat, the Xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Xreport. So... Let's go ahead and get this free agency draft started. Now, here's how this works. First off, we do not include players who are franchise tagged, which means Tony Pollard is not available, Josh Jacobs, uh, Evan Ingram, and Deron Payne. Um, I'm also going to exclude Lamar because he's going to end up getting tagged. Like, the deadline's not until 3 o'clock Central Time, but he's getting tagged. Baltimore's not letting him walk. And I'm working under under the assumption that Daniel Jones is also not going to get – I mean, is also going to get tagged. So everybody else is getting free reign. Also, instead of doing the traditional draft order, which would have the Bears picking one, Texans two, Cardinals three, we're going to actually reverse the traditional draft order. So the first round – first overall pick is going to go to the Chiefs, then Eagles, Saints – so on and so forth. So, Ethan, you ready to get started? Yes, I am. All right, great. So, we're going to start off with the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you have them taking with the first overall pick? With the first overall pick, I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking wide receiver DJ Chark. Wow, okay. Um, I'm going to go run game, and I'm going to go Saquon Barkley. Now, if I'm the New York Giants, honestly, I would put more emphasis on keeping Barkley in tow than Daniel Jones. But, you know, it's not my money that I'm, they're playing with. But, yeah, I'd go Saquon. All right, next up we have the Philadelphia 70s. I mean, oh, my gosh, wrong sport. Philadelphia Eagles. Um, So it came out early today that they do not plan on – on using a franchise tag on any of their upcoming free agents. But in my draft, I have them keeping one of their stars, Safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So they don't got to use the tag because they bring them right back. Yeah, I I got the same thing. All right, next up, the New Orleans Saints, who, by the way, have their quarterback of the future, or at least for right now. They signed Derek Carr to a four-year, $150 million deal, 100 mil guaranteed. So congratulations to the Saints and Derek Carr. So who do you have them bringing in as his new teammate? I have them bringing in Saquon. Just, I think their defense is great. You already have Alvin Kamara, who's a great running back. You could potentially bring in Saquon, have a dual backfield. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Alvin Kamara might be in some legal trouble. So who knows if he might be on the field this year or for how long. So it would never hurt because you can always trade it out tomorrow and keep Saquon. Got a good point there. Uh, I have tight end Mike Jasicki going there. I know it was a down year in Miami, but honestly, I still feel like he's the best tight end on the market, even if Evan Ingram was available. Uh, We saw for the past few years just how much damage Derek Carr can do with a good tight end. All right, moving on to the 20, I mean, the fourth pick in this case, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is where I see offensive tackle Orlando Brown ending up. Kind of surprised that the Chiefs didn't decide to franchise tag him, but you know the Bengals in their deficient offensive line will gladly swoop in and take him. Yeah, I'm in agreement with Orlando Brown. All right, next up we got the Buffalo Bills. Ooh, the Bills. 
Dang it. I messed up. <laughs> you good. Because this is where I would put Saquon, actually. Let me see. Hmm. <laughs> you want me to go in the meantime? No, I'm actually going to still go with, uh, I'm going to have them taking your boy, Marcus Peters. It's cold-blooded. Um, this is where I'm going to have Bobby Wagner go. Tremaine Edmonds is a free agent. He's going to command a lot of money. Roquan just got over 20 mil per year. He's going to want the same, even though he's obviously not on Rose level. Get Bobby Wagner, who's a better and a overall cheaper option. All right, next up, we got the Dallas Cowboys. Um, after some free agent moves took place, I had to change my pick for them. And so I have them bringing back tight end Dalton Schultz, was their second best pass catcher, had over, what, 700 yards this year, was second on the team in touchdowns, bring him back and help try to fortify this offense, or at least their passing game. Um, This is where I have um, cornerback Riley Roby going, because Trayvon Diggs, he's cool, but they secondary is bad, in my opinion. Wow, Bradley Roby over James Bradbury? I forgot Bradbury. No, I'll switch. I, I forgot he was a free agent. Even though I'm looking at the list, I didn't scroll that far down. All right. Uh, Yeah, I feel you. I almost went corner as well. All right, New York Giants. Where do you see them going? New York Giants. Um, This is where I see them taking Mike Gusecki. I think that if they were, if they are going to keep Daniel Jones and they are going to find a way to keep Saquon, I think finding some type of consistent pass catcher to help Daniel Jones is a need. And like you stated, Mike Gesicki has been one of the most slept-on but consistent tight ends in recent in the past recent years. So maybe go to New York and maybe you can ball out. I feel you. Um, I have them bringing that old thing back. I have them bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I know there's still questions after his second ACL surgery, but, I mean, anything would help out at that wide receiver position. Whether you keep Saquon or you keep Daniel Jones, you got to have somebody on the outside to get the ball to. All right, next up, Jacksonville Jaguars. This is where I see safety Jesse Bates going. Um, I think that this team is has a lot of potential, especially offensively, but defensively, particularly on in their secondary, they got some questions. I think you bring Jesse Bates in, you kind of fortify that secondary. Yeah, I got Jesse Bates going there as well. All right, next up, the Minnesota Vikings. Who do you see them drafting? Um, Minnesota Vikings. That's tough because I want to go offense, and I think about their offense, and he's really good. Uh, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to go Robert Quinn. I think they've they've made a good living off bringing in somewhat older pass rushers and getting the most out of them. And we all know that even though Robert Quinn is up there in years, he can still have a really productive season. Um, especially after they just got rid of Anthony um Barr. So I'm going to go with my guy Roberts. All right, this is where I see cornerback James Bradbury going. Easily could have gone higher, but, I mean, if you look at this secondary, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, the defense overall was bad, but their secondary was really, really bad. James Bradbury had a resurgent year with the Philadelphia Eagles, and going to Minnesota, he has a chance to be a cornerback one for the first time since his days um, in Carolina. 
All right, moving on to my Baltimore Ravens. I have us bringing back Marcus Peters. I know I've ragged on him a bit this past season. He's had some bad games, but I trust Marcus Peters to get it back right. I still trust him to be a top 20 cornerback in this league, and he kind of fits the mold of what a Baltimore Raven is supposed to be. So I have the Ravens bringing him back. I guess I'm bringing him out there. Would love that too. Would love that was actually my original pick before I had to make some changes. All right, next up the Los Angeles Chargers. Where do you see them going? Uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I have them bringing in linebackers Zach Cunningham. Okay, I mean they are losing Drew Drank- Drew Tranquil in uh, free agency. They so they definitely got a hole in the middle of their defense. This is where I see defensive tackle Javon Hargrave going. They had a lot of injuries on, along their interior defensive line this past year that cost them and that really hurt them in terms of run defense. Javon Hargrave comes and helps them out. Uh, next up, we have the Seattle Seahawks, who congratulations to them. They locked up Geno Smith for the next three years on a $105 million deal, where 52 mil of that money is coming in his first year. And I think his new teammate is going to be Levante David, still one of the best inside linebackers in the league. Bobby Wagner, of course, wouldn't have been a great choice, but he's not available. Jordan Brooks was terrific for them before suffering his ACL injury. You get Levante David in there, you've helped to make that uh, linebacker group even stronger. So I'm, I'm going back with OG Bobby. Um, I think this might be his last or second to last season in the NFL, and I think he's the one going to go back home and get some of that home cooking where he's starting his career. In real life, I think he's gonna go back. I wouldn't. It would not shock me if Seattle brought him back. Um. All right. So next up, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Where do you see them going? Sheesh, they need a lot. They uh, really do. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say they're going to resign a King Hicks. Okay. I'm going to go, they get a quarterback, first quarterback off the board, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he was the predecessor to Tommy Tom Brady before. I could see him doing that again. Even if he's just a one-year option, just kind of bring him into the fold. I don't know what the future is going to hold in terms of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but at least they'd have kind of a steady hand at QB, especially if they can get that run game going. All right, next up we got the Detroit Lions with the first of their two picks in this draft. And I have safety Jordan Poyer going there. Still, despite being on the wrong side of 30, he's still one of the top players at his position. The Lions front seven looked really good despite their youth. I think you get a veteran on that back end, and I think their defense could be much better than it was a season ago. Yeah, I'm in agreement with Jordan Poyer as well. All right, 17, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Where did they go? Uh, I think they're either, I would say, Levante Dave or Tremaine Edmonds. For personal reasons, I don't want Tremaine, I mean, Levante David wearing them ugly colors. So I'd rather hit be Tremaine Edmonds. Um, I feel you. But for me... Um, I'm going to go on the offensive line, and that's uh, right tackle Jawan Taylor. Had a really good year this past year in Jacksonville. Wouldn't be shocked that they brought him back. But the Pittsburgh Steelers could use a bit 
of an upgrade along their offensive line as Jawan Taylor provides them that. And you just mentioned his name, but Tremaine Edmonds, this is where I see Washington, the Washington Commanders going. I see them going with uh, Jimmy Ward. Okay, get a safety on the back end. That makes sense. Um, All right, Green Bay Packers, where do they go? That's so hard to answer because it's like I think we I think we should split this one up to two. Okay. If Aaron Rodgers is still on the team, if he isn't on the team. Okay. So if he's on the team, I think they're going to bring back Randall Cobb just for just because of familiarity. If he isn't on the team. I think they're going to bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Mm, okay. I can see that. You're not trusting Jordan Love? No. Okay. I I I think it's time for – I think it's time to see what Jordan Love can do. Worst come to worst, you go ahead and draft somebody. Um, For me, this is where I'm going to have them taking wide receiver Jacoby Myers, a guy who really falls under the radar because he's not necessarily a touchdown machine, but he's a pretty good route runner, and I think that the Packers could definitely use him um, in that wide receiver group. Because let's be honest, their rookie showed some potential in Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, but they need another guy who can really route some people up. Uh, Jacoby Myers does that. Uh, next up, the New England Patriots. This is where I see new free agent linebacker Eric Kendricks getting drafted. I mean, really was the face of that Vikings defense, well, one of their faces for a long time, but now he's a free agent. I think that he could bring that veteran experience to an already veteran-filled defense in New England. Yeah, I'm in agreement there as well. All right, next up, the New York Jets. This is where I have Jimmy Garoppolo going. Mm. I have offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey going. Loki could have went higher, but I think if you look at that Jets offensive line, it's clear that they need to upgrade. And I think if they stand pat with their 13th overall pick, I'm pretty sure it's going to be used on an offensive lineman. Uh, next up, we got the Houston Texans. This is where I see defensive end Yannick Ngakwe going. Um, I believe he's been in the league since, what, 2014, 2015? Either way, since actually, no, I think it's 2016. But either way, since he's been in the league, he has never had less than eight sacks. The Houston Texans need a guy on the edge who can provide some pressure. Um, last season, it was, oh, my gosh, I'm – I see his face, but I cannot remember his name. Um, but he's a bit up there in age. And, you know, D'Amico Ryans, after coming from San Francisco, he's going to want some dogs on that defensive line. Yannick Ngakwe is one of them. Jerry Hughes, uh, by the way, is the player whose name I couldn't think of. This is where I see Javon Hargrave going. Ooh, that'd be a good one. All right, next up, your Tennessee Titans. Still some good free agents on the board. Who do you guys take? Um... Let's see, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to say Mike McGlinchey because they need all the line help that you can get. You got that right. Um, I have you guys taking cornerback Jamel Dean, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In my opinion, he was their best corner, but they can't afford to keep him, so he's going to be on the market. I think he would be an upgrade for the Tennessee Titans. And now we're moving on 
to the last uh, 10 picks, starting with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this is where I see quarterback Byron Murphy going of the Arizona Cardinals, though I don't think he's a terrific corner. I think there are several better. I do think that he will be a really nice upgrade, not an upgrade, but a nice replacement for James Bradbury and continue to work well with Darius Slay in that uh, secondary who's still going to be kind of doing some tinkering around this offseason. I'm going to agree with that one as well. All right, Carolina Panthers, where do they go? The Panthers. Um, I'm going to throw out a super log. I think they might, They might if he doesn't retire, they might sign to them. They could use him. He was definitely a possibility for me. Um, I'm going to go defensive end Frank Clark, even though I think he's a deplor- deplorable human being. Purely speaking from football terms, he's a good player. They could use some help on the edge, pair him up with Brian Burns. That could be pretty lethal for this uh, emerging Carolina Panthers team. So I'd go Frank Clark. All right, next up, the Atlanta Falcons. This is where I see my boy cornerback Patrick Peterson going. They obviously need some help on that back end. Patrick Peterson is a proven veteran, just had a, a really, really good year in Minnesota last year, showing that corners can still play pretty well even after turning 30. So I think the Atlanta Falcons will be smart to bring him in. Yeah, I have Pat P going there as well. All right, next up, uh, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, okay. That defense is so bad. It I'm going to say Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox will be a banger. Um, I'm going to go in their secondary, and I have quarterback Cam Sutton from the Steelers. He's coming off a pretty good year, but you know how the Steelers are. They'll kind of let some free agents walk, and I think I would not be surprised if he ended up hitting the mark and ended up getting some good money elsewhere. All right, next up, the Detroit Lions second pick. Uh, this is where I'm going to say linebacker TJ Edwards, a guy who last year in free agency really didn't get talked about much, wasn't really expected to do much in Philly. Turns out he had a terrific year, and I think that the Detroit Lions will really benefit from bringing him in uh, to the linebacking group. Hey, dude was balling last year. He like, had I remember, awesome year. I remember like looking at, because I always do this, um, looking at the stat sheets, and I always I don't look at the quarterbacks. I always go straight to the defensive players. And I remember him having, like, multiple games. He was having, like, 14 and 15 tackles per game. A game. And I was like, bro, who is dude? Um, I would say I actually would agree with you. I think he, he'd be a good fit in Detroit as well. Yeah, I feel you on that. All right, let's go ahead move on to the Seattle Seahawks. Now we're getting to that final five. The Seattle Seahawks. I could see, I potentially think it might be another reunion bringing Frank Clark back to the uh, the Emerald City. That would help. Uh, this is where I see defensive tackle Fletcher Cox ending up. Uh, they definitely still need some beef in that interior defensive line. I think, of course, Fletcher Cox can provide that if he does not retire. All right, uh, Indianapolis Colts. This is where I have wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster coming off the board. Um, Michael Pittman is fine. Alec Pierce is fine. I th- and not to say that Juju Smith is going to come in and immediately take over, but I do think that he provides something that they do not have in their receiving group, and that's somebody who can actually, you know, stretch the field and make big plays consistently. Um, all right, next, what about you? Who do you got Indy taking? I got them taking Juju as well. Nice. All right, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. 
Cardinals. Another team uh, who needs everything besides quarterback. Yeah. I have them taking Jerry Kendricks. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, I have them taking defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, obvious reasons. Like I said, they need help everywhere, and I think that they're probably going to hit on the other positions, you know, in the draft, but I think D-tackle is one that you got to hit on immediately. All right, the Houston Texans are back on the board, and this is where I see former Saints DN Marcus Davenport coming off, even though he's been wildly inconsistent throughout his career. When he's played, he's been pretty good, and that just provides some more uh, some more firepower along that defensive front. This is where I see Davenport Tomlinson. They're going to double up on D-tackles. Hey, you can never have too many D-tackles, especially because I'm pretty sure they're going to run a 4-3 in Houston. All right, last but certainly not least, we have the Chicago Bears. Who is the final pick of our free agency draft, or at least yours? That's um, tough because they need a lot as well. Almost put Jason Kelsey to a team, but I was like, it would feel weird seeing him wear any jersey that's not Phillies. It would. And I realistically, I think he's going to end up coming back for one more year and then calling it. Um, This is where I see wide receiver Alan Lazard coming off the board. Honestly, he could have went higher because he's not I a bad. Yeah, he's not a bad wide receiver. He's just not sexy. Like, Honestly, the best thing he does is block, which is not attractive, but he's still a pretty solid wide out. And not only do you add to your wide receiver group, which is really thin, but also you make the Green Bay Packers a bit weaker. But, yeah, that is this year's edition of the free agency draft. Um, Real free agency opens up. Technically, legal tampering starts next Monday. But I think overall free agency starts on the 15th, which is next Wednesday. And, of course, we are going to hit y'all with our takes on the real free agency moves. Um, So, yeah, be on the lookout for that, of course. But just to, you know, bring out our crystal balls, try to tell the future. A week from now, Aaron Rodgers. Packers, Jets, retires. What do you think he does? I don't think he retires. And I don't think he'll be a Jet. I think he's going to end up somewhere completely off everybody else, off everyone's radar. Like, I would say Las Vegas, but I also wouldn't be surprised if I look up in some, in some way, form, or fashion, he's on the 49ers. Mm, okay. All right, so same question, but with Lamar Jackson. He's going to get franchise tagged, obviously. But, and then we may not have this resolution until a bit later on, but realistically, Ravens, Falcons, or other? I'm going to say Falcons. I just think. I know the Ravens are going to franchise tag, but I just think the amount of money that he's asking for, the the Ravens just aren't going to aren't going to give it to him. They're not, and like I said earlier, I mean, if in almost two years of negotiating, y'all haven't come up with something, it's not. 
it's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm also leaning towards Falcons, too. I've seen a lot of reports within the last hour or so that apparently at the Combine, um, Baltimore and uh, the Falcons had been talking pretty heavily. So either way, I think either he was going to end up going via the non-exclusive tag or we were just going to franchise tag him outright and then trade him, kind of similar with what happened with um, Devontae Adams and the Packers last year. So, yeah, I think we're on our last days of Lamar Jackson being a Baltimore Raven. So, life is going to get fun. And in terms of Aaron Rodgers, apparently he's meeting in person with the Jets today. I'm still between – I'm like 51% retire, 49% Jets – I'd be shocked if he ended up with the Packers. I just don't – I don't think from either side it makes sense for him to go back to Green Bay. No. It doesn't make sense. But I disagree with you on the Jordan Love front. I think that it, he's going to get a year. And if it don't work out, they're going to start from scratch. But I think he gets a year. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, starting with our Mambas of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, This I know this is the first time I've said his name or at least for this award. But my Eastern Mambo of the Week is going to go to Tyrese Halliburton. Mm. Uh, my Eastern Mambo is going to go to a familiar name, Giannis. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's, it's hard to ever go against Giannis. Uh, my Western Mamba is going to go to Devin Booker, has dropped 30 points in the beach game this past week. Beat familiar foe, the Dallas Mavericks, and we're going to get up to that a little bit later. But, I mean, hey, Devin Booker is showing he's still that dude despite Kevin Durant being there. My my Western, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Devin Booker because the other person that I was thinking of, I don't want to say because he did it against my favorite team. I feel that. I feel that. And we'll, we'll talk about Paul George a little bit later. It's all right. Um, and then my rookie Mamba, first time I know I've said his name in a while, but Jaden Ivey had a double-double, I think last night, night before. I we, I know everybody's been on the Paolo chain, train and rightfully so, but Jaden Ivey had a good game. I'm still on the Paolo train. Totally understandable. All right, let's go ahead and talk our top three takeaways of this past week. Ethan, you can start us off. Top three. Number three, um... Will the Warriors get back on track in time to make a legitimate playoff push? I know they still just came back recently, and they lost against the Lakers in this first game back. But are they going to rectify their their road record? Because at home they're amazing, but it's once they step outside of um, once they're not inside the chase center. Is when they when you look up and it's like this isn't even a team that you could think that can make the playoffs, which is crazy. But are they going to get that situated before they have to make a run to the play-in slash playoffs? Number two, um, how long are these um, adventurous trades going to kind of show fruition? And what I mean by that is like. We have the Kyrie, Luca Perry, the KD in Phoenix, and the uh, Westbrook in the Clippers. And so far, I think outside of the Suns, all the teams that made like big blockbuster trades, they haven't really shown any good fruit of those trades. 
So how long is it? And is it all those trades going to hamper any like teams' playoff chances this year? Um, because of the lack of chemistry. And number one, obviously, it's the Grizzlies. Like John Moran, you, yeah, he just, he just. I think he. It's a lack of a lot of things. It's a lack of the Grizzlies not investing in a veteran that I think could be like an OG, like a Udonis Haslam. I think the Grizzlies should have, um, once they started to see some of these other allegations and things show up, they probably should have taken some actions earlier before they got to this point. And I think, too, like this is just another example of like a learning lesson of a, a superstar athlete of like, hey, once you get to a certain level, you have to change a lot of the things around you. Like, that's why guys like LeBron and Giannis stick out so much is because they're these superstar athletes, but they are even better people off the court. And, like, they're also the byproduct of the people that they have around them. Thank you on that. Um, we'll definitely dive into the jaw conversation a bit later. But, yeah, uh, starting for me, number three, don't look now, but the Suns will be a top two seed before the end of the month. I mean, you've really just touched on it, that they seem like the only team that's really starting to see the fruits of their labor in terms of making those big trades. Right now they're the fourth seed. Um, they're two and a half games back of the Kings, three games back of the Grizzlies, who are at two and three respectively. I would not be shocked if they were able to kind of go on a run and with everything going on with the Grizzlies, they kind of take a bit of a step back and then the Sun just outright overtaking the Kings. Um, number two, Magic Johnson is right. The Knicks are a bad matchup for the Knicks. I mean, for the Celtics. I think we've seen time and time again, I've, I talked about it last week, how I am starting to kind of not jump on the Knicks bandwagon, but I've been really impressed with what they've been able to do. And one of the things they've consistently been able to do is take down the big dogs, more precisely the Celtics. In the last two games where those teams have played, the Knicks have won both of them. And I think that if they have to do this in the playoffs, it's going to take every bit of seven games, or at least I feel like it's going to take every bit of seven games for the Celtics to get past them. And then number one, uh, the Western Conference play-in race may be the most exciting uh, storyline to close out the season. I mean, right now, we kind of talked about some of the big dogs, but here are the teams right now that are kind of locked in uh, for that play-in spot. You got the Dallas Mavericks, the Los Angeles Clippers, New Orleans Pelicans, Utah Jazz, uh, Portland Trailblazers are up there as well as the Los Angeles Lakers. And mind you, there is only a two-game difference separating those teams. I just, I'm really excited to see how everything unfolds, especially, and then you can kind of factor in the Minnesota Timberwolves who are half a game ahead of the Dallas Mavericks. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see who gets those final playoff spots in the Western Conference. But right, let's go ahead, move on to some roster news. You talked about the Grizzlies needing the OG. Well, the Miami Dolph wrong sport. Miami Heat are going to be needing a new OG soon as veteran Udonis Haslam announced that he plans on retiring after this season no matter what. Congratulations to him and all that he's accomplished. And the Milwaukee Bucks have decided to bring in point guard Goran Dragic for the rest of the season. Um whether it be Haslam or Dragic, do you have any thoughts on either of these pieces of news? Uh, you, you, 
absolutely shocked. But I think the fact that, like, they haven't been playing to the level that we're used to seeing that he played probably expedited. Like, I would not have been, like, the Heat were still winning and say they were, like, the top three, top four, top five seed in the East. Um, I would not be surprised if he was like, yeah, I'll be back for another year. Um, I still think he'll be around the organization. He just won't be listed as an actual player. But it's the statement that he made that kind of, like, um, perked up my ears a little bit when he was saying, like, they need to find a new it's, voice. Yeah, they need to find a new voice. And that's one of the things where it's like, okay, is there, like, some internal um, struggle slash turmoil in the Heat organization that nobody knows? Because it's like, if he's saying, like, they need a new voice, is that his way of saying, like, hey, these cats just aren't listening anymore? And that's a pro- part of the reason why we aren't playing to these standards. Or maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but those are like the kind of thoughts that pop into my head when I heard this statement. No, I, I'm totally in agreement with you because, like, especially since Jimmy Butler's got in there, I've kind of, maybe I'm that fault, but I've kind of assumed, like, he's kind of taking on that leadership role. And so when I heard, well, when I saw that Udonis Haslam had said that, it's like, well, is Jimmy Butler not exactly the leader that we thought he was or – it was very interesting to me, too. So, I'm okay. I'm, I'm happy to know, like, I'm not the only person who was kind of looking at that. All right. Unfortunately, let's go ahead and turn the table. Let's talk some injury news. Uh, first, out of Orlando, after coming back for his first game in what feels like forever, it's been announced that Orlando Magic forward Jonathan Isaac has undergone season-ending surgery to repair a torn left abductor muscle. It's a brutal setback for the 25-year-old who only played 11 games this year after missing the past two years with a torn ACL. Maybe I'm a bit pessimistic, not the first time I've said it, but I don't I think you only get so many chances in the NBA and especially after just missing these past two years, I would not be shocked if this was the last we saw of Jonathan Isaac on the NBA team. Oh, most definitely. Well, I would say not on the NBA team. I probably would say on the Orlando Magic. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you looked up and a team signs him and he's, like, on their bench. But, like, he won't get significant playing time. I just think that when you're a team like Orlando that's trying to rebuild and grow, like, I hate to say it this way, but you need to use their roster spot for people that can actually be on the court. Like, you have a guy in Paulo who has shown to be one of the better rookies in the, in the previous, like, drafts. And, he, and he's a guy that you can build around. Um, and Jonathan Isaac, I feel bad for him because it's like he was always projected to be a big part of their future going forward, and he just isn't able to stay on the court. But I could see him being a guy that, like, gets brought in, off the, brought in to play for a team, come off the bench, and, like, and maybe be a rotational, a lower-level rotational slash, like, spot mini guy. I could see it being kind of, if he gets signed, it'll be like a G League situation, just to, like, prove that he can stay healthy. 
and then uh, work his way up from there. But yeah, I, I'm I think for sure his time with the Magic is is curtains. All right, talking about another injury that hits a bit closer to home, Brandon Clark. Forward for the Memphis Grizzlies has been reported is out for the rest of the year with a left Achilles tear. How big of a blow is this for the Grizzlies? I think it's a huge blow because I think it'll be it's a bigger blow once we get to the playoffs because when you have a lineup like in the regular season, Stephen Adams is a great asset and he's a great asset in the playoffs. But once you get to the playoffs. Teams will start to, like, say, for instance, we run into the Clippers again in the playoffs. Like, the Clippers are known for switching up lineups and making adjustments mid-game. Mid and that's what happened in the game this previous week. But these, the Clippers were the same team that played Rudy Gobert off the court. Um, and with Brandon Clark, as you have a guy that can switch defensively and stay in front of um, guards and wings, and but offensively he plays just like a center, and like that's a good him and um, Jaren are like one of the better pairings of front court players that the Grizzlies have had, just because it's like Jaren can play the five on defense, and Brent, no Brandon Clark can play the five on defense and play the four on offense. And vice versa, Jaren plays the four on offense and plays the five on defense. And they're just a really great pain. And I think it's it's a big blow to our bitch unit because we have one of the better bitch units in the NBA. Yeah, I think that, of course, when most people think of the Memphis Grizzlies, Desmond Bain is not the first. I mean, I'm sorry, not Desmond Bain. Brandon Clark is not one of the first names you think of. You do think of the Jaws, of course, the Jaron Jacksons, and now most recently kind of Desmond Bain. But Brandon Clark is one of those cats who kind of goes under the radar in terms of a um, national audience. But for people who follow the Grizzlies and watch the Grizzlies as much as you do, like they know just how important his presence is for that team. So not having them is going to be really tough. And so, honestly, I, I'm sure you both we both know that right now the free agent market is not great. So, in terms of replacing him, what do you do? Do you kind of stick with what you have in guys like Xavier Tillman? Do you look elsewhere? What do you think is the best course of action for the Grizzlies? I think it wouldn't hurt to look elsewhere. Um, it's kind of hard because the guys, like the type of guys who would want to replace him with, I think has already been signed. Like, um, Nerlens Noel, I think he would have been a good replacement because he provides some of the same dynamic play wise. Like he's he's a good he's a good screen and roll dude. He can switch on defense and he can just like he can cover ground and it's something that BC does and he's efficient inside. So I think they might just try to ride it out and see. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the government may make a like random signing of another power forward slash center. I just don't know who, because I don't know who all is like available in the free agent market right Yeah, from the last I looked, it's not too bustling of a market. But I think Norland's Noel could be a good addition um to replace him. But all right, let's go ahead and move on. So we kind of talked about this as well at the top of the show. But Paul George in a recent interview kind of broke, not broke down, but he got him 
intimate and honest about his standing in the current NBA. And when asked about, you know, his realization of not being the best player on the championship team, he said this, I had to be honest with myself in order for me to win at the highest level or get to where I want to get to. I don't think I'm the one guy. And I mean, no disrespect to Paul George, because we all know that Paul George is a great player. But there's a big difference between being a great player and being the player, a.k.a. the guy who leads their team to a title. So what we're going to do is discuss three players in the league today that we feel like kind of need to go through that humbling experience or at least need to realize that they are not the guy. So if you just want to say your list or if you want to alternate, I'm good for whatever. We can alternate. All right, bet. Um, my number three is Trey Young. You and I have talked about this at length. Um, even if the Atlanta Hawks had more pieces around him, I still just don't know if Trey Young could be the one to lead Atlanta or really any team to a championship. I think he could be an awesome, great number two, but I don't trust him to be a number one. Yeah, my number three is also Trey Young. Everything that you just stated. Um, he he can be a he's a really good a really nice talent and he can do a lot of great things but I just don't think he's the like ch- like championship level like best player on the team talent. I feel you. All right, moving on to number two. I know this is going to sound crazy because before the start of this season he was supposed to be the Shaq and the Shaq and Kobe you know conversation of him and Anthony Edwards and he's a generational talent. But I gotta say, call Anthony Towns. I mean. He's a great player again. I know you have your own personal feelings about him. I mean, he's a good player, but I just – we've seen several years of him being the guy in Minnesota and has gotten them absolutely nowhere. I don't think that that is automatically just going to change. I'm also in agreement again with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I think – and you kind of are seeing – you've kind of seen this now with him being injured. Because it's Ant's team. Yeah, and like Anthony Edwards being the one that's putting the driver's seat, like it's a completely different team. Like I, remember, I watched the game, I think last week when they played the Clippers, and it was like, bro, this is a different team when Anthony Edwards is the one that's being the one initiating, not even initiating the offense, but being the one that's putting the position. I'm like, hey, you're the guy. Like in the first half, he didn't really shoot that great from the field. But then the second half, he turned it up. And I think they came, and I'm, I'm not mistaken, they came out with the W. They did come out with the W. Because he said something funny in the post-game interview. But, like, Carl Anthony Towns is a Robin. He's not a Batman. And Anthony Edwards is a Batman, not a Robin. Yeah, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being Robin. Because at the end of the day, if you win a ring, who cares if you Batman or Robin? You're a champion. All right, my number one... This might be controversial because I like this player a lot, but I'm going to say Damian Lillard. I feel like Damian Lillard a couple years ago could do it if he had the right pieces around him. But at this very moment, I don't think Dame can be the leading charge anymore. And this isn't just speaking of the trailblazers because, I mean, let's be honest, it's not like they put a lot of help around him. But I think just Damian Lillard is still a terrific scorer, but I just don't think he has – it anymore to carry a team to a title. Mm. Okay. Mines is uh, another guy that you like 
I almost put Jimmy on here. <laughs> like, I, I think he's a guy that can carry, like, were you seeing him carry, like, lower level teams to, like, success, like, in Minnesota? But I don't think that to win a championship, Jimmy Butler cannot be a best player. I agree. I wish I didn't, but I do totally agree. I mean, there are plenty of other players who could have got on this list, but, you know, Jimmy Butler was – I definitely had him on my list for a time, but we shall see what Miami does because they're in that weird spot of, like, they're not bad, and so it's not like they're ever going to get, like, a high lottery pick, but they're not good enough to be like, yeah, they're a legitimate championship contender. So it'll be interesting to see what Miami decides to do with their roster over the course of the next few seasons. But, all right, I know this conversation is not going to be fun for you. Definitely is not going to be fun for me. But we got to talk about Ja. Um, as it was reported, well, initially, um, it was reported that he was going to be, he was given a two-game suspension from the team after the uh, Denver Nuggets game where he went on Instagram Live at a strip club. Not a problem. However, he was flashing a gun, which goes against rules. So he ended up getting that suspension. Then, um, in a press conference, Taylor Jenkins, head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, talked about Ja, in which uh, he kind of opened up and he said he understands he's got to get help to get in a better place, not just for himself, but for his team. We're going to support him, as I said, and we're going to hold him accountable. Ja has now been placed on an indefinite suspension, aka that means it's no telling when he's going to come back. However, since then, more reports have come out. For example, the gun that he did flash reportedly that since he had the gun in Denver, the NBA is going to investigate whether or not he brought the gun on the team plane. And if he did, that could lead to a substantial suspension. Originally, it was said to be 50-plus games, but that has been taken back. There's no real number, so that's still up in the air. And also, it came out that prior to the incident that led to Moran's suspension, Stephen Adams had a players-only meeting and urged teammates to conduct themselves more professionally on the road. Fast forward to what occurred. So, you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan. What has this past week been like with the rash of John Morant news? It's like, it's a double-edged sword because it's it's one of those things to where, I won't even say double, I probably would say a what, I guess the best way to put it is like a wave of emotions or thoughts. Like, the first obvious thing is, is like, when you hear it and you see it, it's like, you hate to hear it and you hate to see it because it's like, this is legitimately the first ever superstar level talent that this team has ever had. Like, we've had really, really good players like Zach Randolph, Mike Conley, Marcus All. They were really, really good. But Ja is like, Ja's a generational talent. Hands down. So to see that, it's like, what's going on? And then I think a big thing for me that's bothered me is like, people are taking this situation and using it to shed like a dark light on the city of Memphis. Yeah. Um, like, yes, Memphis is not the best. It's not, quote-unquote, the safest. It's one of the top, most dangerous cities in the world, going to numbers 
people are saying like John did this because he's in Memphis and he wasn't somewhere else. And like if you ever and I hate when people that have never lived in this city visited this city, even walked a mile in this city, speak on Memphis in in a way just because of things that they might read in the headline or see in an article somewhere. Um, and I think this has kind of brought some of the negative, a negativity to the city that isn't, that shouldn't be had. And I just think that, like, Jai just needs help. Like, I think it might be one of those situations to where his, his rapid rise of fame kind of just got to him. Because at the end of the day, Josh, like, what, 22, 23 years, 24 years old? 23. Yeah, and it's like, when you're that young, and, like, this offseason, he's going to be kicking, he's going to be getting a $100 million contract he's kicking in. He has a shoe coming out, honestly, next month. Um, He signed a deal with Tyreek. Like, that's a lot of fame really, really fast. Um, and some of it might have gotten to his head and where he could think and he he's always been probably one of the most if not the most brash player in the NBA and like he's gotten away with a lot of his brashness to a point where like I think like when I said earlier like maybe some things should have been said sooner and it could have helped him out in the mind space of like hey I do need to chill out a little bit and as far as the players I'm going to be with Steven Adams, I think, again, like, Steven Adams had the players I'm going to be But I think the Grizzlies needed me like a Udonis Haslam. Because, like, Steve-O, he's great. But when you have a bunch of young African-American men who I do – and it's a known thing is all they do in warm-ups and practices listen to NBA young boy they aren't they might not be receptive to hear what Steven Adams says yeah. like I somebody asked the question of like well, where was this in Jaws like rookie season or his second season and I know for a fact that his rookie season we had Jay Crowder and like Jay Crowder everyone knew that Jay Crowder took Jaws under his wing and now we don't. And so, like, if we were, if we were to able to, like, re-sign them or, like, potentially trade it for them again, I think that could have made a big, a big step just because it's like having somebody that's in the league that your younger guys can look up to and, like, really hear the message from can go a long way. Um, but also, the city of Memphis love job. Like, like, I will say this. The people from Memphis that are bashing job are the people that just became Grizzlies fans because of job. Right. But the real Grizzlies fans, the ones that have been here from the green grind and before, they still love job. And they want, they want him to get the help that he needs. And they want him to be the best player that he can be. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I look, I think something that is kind of, not to say that the commentary about Ja isn't warranted because some of it is, 
But it's not fair to blame a whole city for the actions of one person. Like, yeah. that's BS. Because if that was the case, anybody in Memphis would start acting the same way. You don't act like that. I lived there. I didn't act like that. Most of the people I knew did not act like that. And so I don't think it's fair to try to pin, oh, well, him going to Memphis did that. Nah, because people act a fool anywhere. It doesn't just have to be Memphis. They don't just have to be athletes. But because, like you said, John Morant is a generational talent. John Morant is one of the faces of the new generation of the NBA of course he's going to be under a bigger spotlight. Of course people are going to care more because of the platform that he has. And I think you really hit on the head with regards to Jay Crowder being there and kind of providing that mentorship. That's awesome and that's great. But mind y'all, you're giving a 23-year-old over 100 mil, not to mention, and that's just his contract. We're not talking about the money he's getting from Nike. We're not talking about the money he's getting from Powerade and all the other endorsements he's doing. That brother is making bank and just let's be honest how many people could say at 23 they would have the maturity to make that money and still keep their head on straight right like no then that's a lot to do that's asking a lot out of a person because everybody it's so easy to judge and critique what he's doing but let's be honest there's no you know there's nobody around him telling him no Everybody is just hyping him up like, yeah, Ja, you should do this, you should do that. Nobody is telling him no. So, of course, he's going to do this stuff and not really accept the, expect the consequences of it because nobody's really showing him that it's bad. And we're not Ja, you know, we're not in his circle, we're not there, but I just think that, like I said, like he did some stupid stuff. Like this vid- the video was so stupid. Like the stuff with the kid or whatever – like you said, if somebody throw a ball throw a ball in my face, then prepare for the consequences. But the video was stupid. Everybody can acknowledge that. But I just think that some people are really taking it too far. Like I don't remember who I don't know if it was Stephen A or um Shannon Sharp who said something about his dad. Like you need to be his father first and not his friend. Like, how dare you? Like you don't know the dynamic of their relationship. Like his dad is at every game. Like it's not like he has a he didn't grow up with a father figure. It's not like his father's not supporting him. So I don't think it's fair for any of us to try to jump on, on the dad's throat and try to make it sound like he's a bad father. Like that's some BS because no matter what, our kids are gonna make their own mistakes. As a parent, you can try to teach them the right way and you can tell them don't do this and don't do that. But at the end of the day, they're their own people. They're gonna do what they wanna do. So, I to sum it all up, while I think some of the critiques of Ja is warranted, because simply put, he's an immature kid who got a whole bunch of money, and he's acting out. I think that's what it comes down to. I don't think it's any crazy, big th- conspiracy around Memphis. I don't think it's his father not being there. I just think that he doesn't have people in his circle, in his friend group, or like you said, on the team who can kind of sit him down and like, yo, what are you doing? And kind of checking him. I just think that's the case, and I think all everything else that's come out to make it much more than a bigger thing than just immaturity, I think that's the problem with the media. And But I will say this, though, because I don't know how often you've been on Twitter, but I'm sure you've probably seen at least one tweet of, like, a video of him and Kari and, like, oh, this is the side of John nobody wants you to see. Have you seen them tweets yet? I've seen, like, different people post it, but I'm like, but the reality is, 
after a Grizzlies game, if she's there, we're gonna see a video of him and Kari. The so not <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, don't try to pull the daughter card to make it seem like Ja didn't do something stupid. Like I don't like that argument, but I also don't like the arguments from the media trying to make it out to a bigger thing. But it's a hot mess. But more importantly, I'm sure you and I can both agree, like, at the end of the day, we want Ja to get the help that he needs because it is bigger than basketball. And I would hate to see somebody so young and so talented throw it all away just because he wants some clout or he think doing this stupid stuff is cool. But... Do you think he plays this season? I think he comes back. I don't think he's going to come back within the next couple of weeks, but I think he comes back to the team. Uh, he definitely comes. I think he'll definitely be. Unless he gets suspended from the NBA, I think he'll definitely be back. Um, I think he probably – because we only have like a handful of games left. Well, not even a handful because we have this week, and then I think next week, and then once April starts, it's like maybe six games. I can see him probably coming back like maybe the end of this month, beginning of April. Yeah, I'll say this. He's not going to miss no playoff games because of this. Yeah, I was going to say this, just to get him going because the playoffs are around the corner. Um, and I, I also just, yeah, I just think it's one of those things to where it's like, you know, it's also proof. It's also shown proven that people can make mistakes and rebound. Wow. Alan Iverson, we all know his track record and his history. He he rebounded. It was an article that came out about Melo. I didn't even realize Melo was on the track. He was on me first, and then he rebounded and became one of the superstar level talents in the NBA. So it's attainable. I think it's just like you say, like Josh twenty three. Like, if you were to tell me right now, and I'm about to be 30, but if you were to tell me right now, if I were to walk out of my door, and when I walk out of my door, I'm going to be making, at a minimum, $105 billion, I'm going to act a fool. And I'm mm-hmm. almost 30 with a child. Like, if you were to tell me at 23 that I'm making $105 million, I'm acting a fool. Cause I didn't even have like I w- I was working a job and and like making mm, a little bit above minimum wage and I was acting on food and blowing money. You telling me I'm making one hundred five? And nobody's telling me like holding me accountable for my actions. I'm gonna do whatever I want. Yeah, tell you that straight so, up. You you can put that money in my hand right now. I'm acting up. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm gonna get a gun. But you can't tell me nothing. I'm buying what I want, when I want it, and um, I'm not going to think about the consequences. So, yeah. So, yeah, like we said, though, prayers up for Ja and everything that he's going through because at the end of the day, he's a great basketball player, a lot of fun to watch, but he's also a human being. So if it is something that's deeper than just immaturity, and of course, you know, you know, we both pray and hope that he gets better and gets the help that he needs. But at the end of the day, people calm the hell down. Like, chill out. Because let's be honest, there are worse people in the NBA right now than John Moran, who've done worse things, who are still playing. 
So let's not act like Ja is just an idiot. I knew it. Also, I'm sorry. Uh, J- Lamar Jackson got the non-exclusive tag, and I called it. Yeah, he's going to Atlanta. All right, uh, let's go ahead to a much lighter topic, though. Let's play our game of believable or buffoonery, and let's keep it in the Grand City, the Bluff City, with Dylan Brooks, who has openly admitted many a time he don't like Draymond Green. In a recent interview, he said, I don't like Draymond at all. I just don't like Golden State. I don't like anything... I don't like anything to do with them. Draymond talks a lot, gets away with a lot too. His game is cool with Golden State, but if you put him anywhere else, you're got they're not gonna know who Draymond is. So believable or buffoonery. If Draymond Green was not in Golden State, he would be just another quote unquote guy. Uh, I 100 percent believe that. And this is coming from a guy that's a Draymond Green fan. Um like Draymond Green, he's a great defender. He can make. He has high basketball IQ. But like the thing that really brings him attention is the fact that he played. He's playing on a team that's considered a dynasty. Um, and he's playing with two uh, two of the all-time greatest shooters. Like his skill set. If you put Draymond, his skill set wouldn't work on a team with people that couldn't shoot. Yeah. Like, you couldn't put him, like, let's say, I'm trying to think of a team that's not a great three-point shooting team. Miami. Uh, okay, yeah. You put him on Miami, he won't, he won't be, he will be just a regular guy. Because outside of probably Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, like, you don't have that many people that can shoot. Um, to make him a viable option. I think he would be like he would be he would be a good he would be a good role player but not a great role player. In Golden State he's a great role player because of the pieces that are around him. Yeah, you you hit it on the head. Um I'm also calling believable on that. All right, let's go ahead and move on to a guy who has just become another role player, and that's Ben Simmons. In a recent interview, former NBA player uh, Chandler Parsons had this to say about the former number one overall pick. We have to take him for what he is. He's most likely a minimum player for the rest of his career. Believable or buffoonery, we have seen the best that we were going to get out of Ben Simmons. I'm going to say believable. I think... When you pair a back injury with his lack of confidence, I think that that was the demise of Ben Simmons. Because we've seen, from the back injury standpoint, we've seen back injuries derail players that were great. Like Dwight Howard, he wasn't the same after he suffered a back injury. Um, I believe it was Tracy McGrady. After he suffered his back, suffered a back injury, he wasn't the same player. Um, and then you pair that with the lack of confidence that he amassed while going through the injury recovery and being defended. I highly doubt. Like this man is passing up. He's sixteen, passing up wide open layups where he can basically just put the ball above his head and hit, it'll be a layup. And that's a lack of confidence. So, yeah, I definitely think we've seen the best of Ben Simmons in his past. Yeah, 
I agree. I mean, as because you and I kind of talked about it, but after the trade of Kyrie and KD, this would be the perfect time for Ben Simmons to take over and be the guy. And obviously, it's been Michael Bridges since he's gotten there. I have not heard a peep about Ben Simmons in Brooklyn. I forgot he was on Brooklyn. It's very easy to forget because nobody talks about him anymore. And so, yeah, no, I, I'm calling definitely believable on that. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Keep things on in the Eastern Conference. Um, in a recent interview, Kevin Garnett uh, said this about Jalen Brunson and his time with the Knicks thus far. He said, Brunson has been the most impactful free agent since KD going to Golden State. As of right now, the, the Knicks are 39-27, and 27, fifth in the Eastern Conference, and currently riding they on nine. I think they're on a nine-game win streak, right? Or might be crazy. They they on a good little win streak. So believable or yeah, nine game. So believable or buffoonery. Jalen Bronson is the best free agent acquisition since KD. We're going to Golden I'm, State. I'm going to say buffoonery simply because KD won a championship. Yeah. I do. I will say I think Jalen Bronson has been the most impactful rookie. I mean, not rookie, but free agent that the Knicks have signed in a very long time. Yes. I totally agree with that. I mean I'm I think it's probably safe to say like in terms of like acquisitions, probably the most the biggest one was Mello when they got him. But I think for the first time since Mello, Jalen Brunson is starting to like bring some excitement to the team. So yeah, I would agree with you on that. All right, let's go ahead and move on to James Harden, who your guy, Shaquille O'Neal, by the way, happy belated birthday, said James Harden needs to win a championship this year. We always talk about the players under the most pressure, particularly in the playoffs, but believable or buffoonery, James Harden has the most to prove in the playoffs than any other player. Uh, that's a great question. I'm going to say, but I'm, I'm going to say no. I think, even though it's been a talking point multiple times, I still would say it's KD, simply because, like, KD, in my opinion, this is just my personal opinion, I would put KD more in the category of an all-time great than I would James Harden. For sure. Yes, James Harden had some really great, amazing years when he was with the Rockets. But I never really considered him like I would put him in like the top seventy five, but he would be somewhere like in the sixty to fifty five in most forty level um category. But like Kevin Durant, I could see K D be like just his impact on the game, his talent, I could see K D being like a top twenty player all the time. And but the only thing is that he only has one championship and he has that one championship with arguably the greatest team ever assembled. Um, and I think that if he were to win another title with Phoenix, especially given the circumstances of how everything went down in Brooklyn, and like he, in my personal opinion, Devin Booker's great, but right now Kevin Durant is the best player on the Phoenix Suns. And if he were to lead them to a championship, that would mean a lot to his legacy, way more than James Harden would. Because right now, James Harden is playing. James Harden is a Robin 
next to Joel Embiid. And he's a good Robin, but he's not the main guy anymore. I thought KD had two rings with Golden State. He might have. Yeah, he got he got two with Golden State. But I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm going to call buffoonery on that as well. I mean, I think probably the biggest knock on James Harden is the fact that when he was the guy, he couldn't lead his team to a title. And so I think that's why he, like you mentioned, he probably won't get any higher than like maybe top 40, even though I don't think I'd put him that high. But in the case of a Kevin Durant, like you said, like there has not been a team where people weren't calling him the best player on that team. Like even with the Warriors, it was Steph's team, but Kevin Durant, he didn't win those finals MVP for nothing. And then you go to Brooklyn, you're supposed to, you know, bring a championship there. That doesn't work out. Now you're in Phoenix. And so you face that same conversation. Um, But so I'm going to call buffoonery on that as well. But do you think if he wins a championship with Phoenix, would that have more – how much more validity would that have, in your opinion, than the one with the Warriors? Would that be one where you're like, okay, yeah, he definitely did that? Or would you kind of be like, well, you had to go to Phoenix – with guys like Devin Booker and CP3 to get it, it would it would have more validity to me because the reality is like the Warriors would could have won the finals without him. Yes, I think it was would have been harder because if they would have played, if you took KD off of those Warriors teams and put them against the same Cavs teams that they beat. I definitely will put my money on the Cavs beating them because at that point, Kyrie and LeBron were peak of powers and, like, they were proven as an unstoppable duo. And Kevin Love was a really, really good third option. And they just had really, really good pieces around them. But in addition, the extra firepower of KD was what kind of put them over the top of those Cavs teams after, um, at that point. But I think at the end of the day, like those Warriors teams have have two all time breaks on them. Um Chris Paul will be will go down as like in my opinion, he will go down as like a top seventy five player, but he still fits into that category. He'll be a lower ranked top seventy five player. Like in terms of stealth Steph would be top 20, top 15 by the end of his career. Yeah. I don't care what nobody says. And I'm not even a Steph Curry fan. I just firmly believe he's one of the top 15 best players in the history of the game. Um, And then, you like, with Devin Booker, like, Devin Booker is a – he's at peak of powers now. He's a really, really good talent. But if you take KD off this team, I can see them – I don't see them making the finals. Like, I could see them potentially making at most Western Conference, but then I could see them getting put out. That's fair. That's fair. Because, I mean, they did have a finals appearance, but they didn't win, and that's nobody remembers the loser. So, I feel you on that. Okay, I was just wondering where your head was on that because I'd still consider it a KD ring. All right, last but certainly not least, we're going to talk about KD's current team. Um, and more specifically, his teammate, Devin Booker. Now, with their recent win over the Dallas Mavericks, not only did it get the monkey off the Suns' back about beating the Mavs, but also there was a bit of a tussle towards the end of the game. 
Um, and Devin, both Devin Booker and Luka Doncic spoke about it. Uh, Devin Booker said, you guys say you don't want everybody to be friendly, friendly. There you go. We got some smoke. Luka Doncic also uh, remarked on it after the game and said, next time, don't wait until there's three seconds left to talk. So it's nice to see it's nice to see some smoke here and there. But believable or buffoonery, Luca versus D Book is the best rivalry in the NBA today. Uh it's the best player rivalry in my opinion. Because Bron and KD they haven't played each other since like What, twenty twenty? Twenty nineteen? Something it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, I can't think of any other. Like, Dame and Steph, they had a mini rivalry at one point. But, like, this, like all the beasts from players, on players' standpoint, they kind of being squashed. Yeah. Uh, and this is really, like, the only one. So, we talking player on player, it's definitely the best rivalry. Because it's really, like, the only one that's left. Yeah. And then, because even, like, team rivalries, I know the Heat don't like the Celtics, but that kind of feels one-sided because, I mean, the Celtics keep beating them. Um, Grizzlies and Warriors, but that feels more like a personal thing rather than, like, actual, you know, playing. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I say believable on that as well. All right, let's go ahead and close this bad boy out with some game picks, starting off with the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Orlando Magic. It's been reported that Giannis and Drew Holiday are out for tonight's game. I don't care. I'm still picking Bucks. Uh, yeah, I probably got Bucks as well. Washington Wizards versus the Detroit Pistons. I got Wizards. Well, Wizards. Philadelphia 76ers versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm going 76ers. I'm going yeah, 76ers. Charlotte Hornets versus the New York Knicks. I got Knicks making it 10 straight. Knicks. Uh, Brooklyn Nets versus the Houston Rockets. I got Nets. Nets. Golden State Warriors versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. I got Warriors. Warriors. Utah Jazz versus the Dallas Mavericks. I got Mavs. Mavs. And a battle of our favorite teams. We have the Memphis Grizzlies without Ja versus the Lakers without LeBron. I think I think I'm gonna go Lakers. I'm gonna go Grizzlies, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won just because of how like the last game in Memphis won and how like charged they'll be at. How pit people are so stupid. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I I pick Lakers. I'm not honestly. Which Anthony Davis are we getting today? That's what it comes down to. If we don't get my question is when is D'Lo coming back? Um, I heard he should be coming back soon. Um, I think he's missing tonight's game. But he could be back within the next week. So, but who knows? Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder had a pretty good game last time out. So, who knows? Maybe we'll have to rely on him again. But uh, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you'd like to say before we get out of here? Uh, obviously, go Grizz. Go Titans, question mark, maybe. And, uh... 
consider being a bandwagon if I go to the if I leave the Titans? For what the Steelers? Yeah. Nah. Okay. I mean, it, it, I, it, we all knew it was gonna happen. I mean, yeah. It's okay. Hey, I I get it. I I talk a lot of crap about the Steelers. But I respect the hell out of them. And in truth, if I wasn't a Baltimore fan, I probably would be a Steelers fan. So, but I still hate them. Don't ever get that twist. I do hate the Steelers, but I, I get it. Um, As for me, Baltimore, it's everybody's been downing us. They've been downing our free agent, our front office. They just, they talking about us like we the Browns. It's a bit ridiculous, but it's okay. Because this Lamar situation is going to work out one way or another. Either he stays with us, which is great, or he leaves. We keep a whole bunch of money. We're able to make our team better for whoever the hell our quarterback's going to be. And then we go from there. We wish Lamar the best in wherever he ends up. And um, L.A., we, we hold on by a thread. Maybe Bron Bron comes back towards the end of the month. Fingers crossed on that. Or we'll probably already be out of playoff contention. It don't work. Either way, I'm just along for the ride. And, um, yeah. Thank you again, everybody, so much for listening. My next uh, real mock draft will be out within the next couple of weeks after free agency kind of winds down a little bit. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll see you all next time.